Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. Just a tad. I was just looking up to see when our last episode was. March 11th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Just two years ago. Two years ago. We've got a lot more grays in our hair. Well, in my beard, your hair. I don't have much hair. <laughs> I do have some grays. So catch us up. What What have you been up to in the past two years? <laughs> How long do we got? Anything special? Uh, building a counseling ministry. <laughs> I heard you were trying to be a doctor. Oh, yeah. You're going to be like a surgeon or what kind of doctor? Uh, they'd probably let me do a little bit of everything, you know. <laughs> That's the way I understand it. <laughs> no. I don't know about that. A doctor of ministry in biblical counseling. Whoa. So, you know. That's heavy, bro. Fun stuff. Reading a lot? Yeah. More than I ever have in my life. And I read, I felt like, a pretty good amount. but uh, I never felt like you read much. Oh, thanks. I could tell. <laughs> what did you think I did? Just uh, to watch documentaries I and did. sports. No. That's what I thought you did. Well, you didn't know me very well then, apparently. Have you ever read a book on sports? No. Well, I guess, no. I was trying to think. No, I was trying to think if I even did like a biography on anybody, but I don't think so. Mm. No. Well, what's something you've learned? That being a doctor's heart, <laughs> yeah, it takes a it takes a lot of effort. It's doable, but it definitely has stretched my uh, capacity. Um, just when I thought I was busy and couldn't, but you had do a pretty anymore. high capacity, I'd say. You get stressed out pretty easy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a pretty high capacity, but um, adding this to my life definitely has tested. Have you had to just become more strategic with how you spend like every fifteen minute block yeah. of your day? You just realize that um, the idea of free time is uh, a luxury, not a... You're not sitting in the hot tub for an hour and a half no. discipling somebody more. No. That's how we built our relationship. I know. I do miss that. I have. I do occasionally still get a chance to sit in the hot tub and have those conversations. Um, got to share the gospel with a guy last month in the hot tub. I hadn't done that in a while. Whoa. But the frequency of those things have definitely lessened quite a bit. Cause yeah, so for anyone who's maybe a first-time listener... Chad and I started this podcast some time ago. We have no idea when. Mm. We did 137 episodes, mm-hmm. and we just stopped because we were, I mean, I hate to say busy, but we were busy. Well, Our you, schedules were full. You took on a new role at Campus Outreach, uh, which for the last year you had that role, but that role kept growing because the ministry was growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and we moved to Hammond, moved so to I Hammond. wasn't hanging out in Mandeville anymore yeah. late nights. Um, our, our counseling ministry, the Nehemiah Project, kept growing, and the, the demands of that kept growing. And, um, yeah, and our church kept growing, so the demands there were growing. So a lot of things kept taking away our time. But the whole point of the podcast was, you know, I learned so much from Chad when I started coming to this church back in late 2017. And 
it was just from me being curious and asking you a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. And so after I had grown a lot, I was like, dude, can we just record all those conversations? Because I think it will help a lot of other people who are maybe as curious as I was, or maybe who aren't asking those questions. But you know, sometimes you'll have that thought, but you won't even think to ask somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was my desire always was to just help people that wanted to grow in their faith. Yeah. They were committed to Christianity you know, in a sense, but they had never been discipled in the word. They didn't truly understand what the Bible taught. They just kind of got their theology through osmosis of being in church and just picking up on what other people's people did. Yeah. And so I wanted to really deep dive, but give, give the why behind everything we do. Mm -hmm. And I love that because, uh, I think about a a book by David Pallison called seeing with new eyes. And he talks a lot about just looking through the lens of scripture. And as we're, when we're saved through Christ, we get a new heart, um, and that heart means our our mind, our thoughts, our affections, everything. And what does it look like to walk through this life or look through the lens of Scripture, begin to see the world for what it is biblically, um, how, how to have discernment and wisdom in certain situations and everything like that. So... I love those conversations. I think those are extremely important when it comes to discipleship because that's taking doctrine and the teachings of Scripture into everyday practical theology, like everyday life. Yeah. And um, I think that's where faith is really built, is how do we take this teaching or this understanding of Scripture and apply that to my context, my my daily life? And uh, those were those conversations you and I were having, and... and uh, yeah, it was fun. What it really taught me, and that's why we named the, well, we didn't name the podcast this, but like the uh, description of it is looking at cultural topics through a biblical worldview mm-hmm. or a gospel worldview. Basically, is the Bible only useful in church or in, you know, quote unquote, spiritual matters? Mm-hmm. Or is the Bible actually relevant to every single thing you come across in this world? And that's mm-hmm. what you taught me was true. And so, I just wanted that to be known to more people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're listening, this is an in in a lot of ways it's an entry level course. You know, it's a one hundred and one, mm. but I think it's it's crazy how prevalent it is that we don't really think biblically about so many matters. So, I think it'd yeah. be useful to to people who are deeper in their faith too, in certain areas, but in other areas maybe they've neglected. Um, um, they've neglected, you know, the bringing to the Bible to bear on this certain topic, mm-hmm. for example. So we're going to cover all sorts of things over the next um, however many episodes this goes. Hopefully, you know, forever. <laughs> a little um, bit longer, a little bit longer. But we want to talk about things like transgenderism, things like um, screen time, things like raising kids, you know, schools, sports, you know, I had some hot takes on sports. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to bring back some old topics like aliens. That was was a popular one. Um, I have a few guys in my Bible study who really are interested in, especially this was the craziest thing. I mean, we forget back during COVID, all of a sudden they started telling us that they have evidence of aliens, but that just completely flew under the radar somehow in the news. Like, yeah, we have proof of UFOs or proof of whatever. Yeah. And we're like, okay, cool. 
<laughs> Nobody ever talked about now, it. Now, we are not a conspiracy <laughs> theorist podcast, but we talk about conspiracies if that's what the culture is talking about. Yeah, yeah. Whatever the culture is talking about or seeing, we want to bring the Bible to bear on that topic. Yeah. And so uh, with that as an intro, uh, I want to bring up our first topic for today. And we're just going to do this you know, before we kind of did the take it or leave it. And then we had an extra topic after that. So we're just going to have one topic. So these are going to be easier to share mm-hmm. uh, with your friends um, and, and easier to really search as a, as a catalog of things you can look through. And these will probably only come out once a month now. Um, well, I was thinking we could do them more. If we could do a 30-minute <laughs> episode, we could maybe record two at we'll a time see. and release them. We'll see. We don't you're really trying know. to set your expectations low. We're just trying to say, if you're, we're coming back, but it may not be every week. Be easy on us. So, uh, we it's kind of like the old guy that gets back in the, the gym and he's at the basketball court. Like yeah. He's good for like one or two games, and That's right. you notice how he leaves early. <laughs> That's kind of like us right now. Right, and uh, there's, we still have a lot of responsibilities on our plate as elders of our church and ministry leaders and such. So I, just, I don't want to put the expectation out there that we're coming every Here's single Here's a big week. change. It's daylight right now. We always recorded at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. We're, we're getting old, Josh. Yeah. All right. So the topic is real deal. Okay. So what we want to talk about today is the real deal Christian. Mm-hmm. We live in a world where we live in a country, rather, where everyone has an idea of what Christianity is. Yeah. And obviously, we know many people have the wrong idea for whatever reasons. They could have grown up in a household. Like, I'll take my, myself for an example. I grew up, and every once in a while, my dad would get dressed in a button-up shirt and slacks, which is very odd for him because he wore coveralls every day of his life to go to work. Yeah. And he'd slick his hair back, which I never saw in my life. <laughs> and then he'd grab a... I didn't even know it was a Bible, but it was a Bible in a case. Mm-hmm. And he'd jump our back fence, and he'd walk to the Baptist church that was there. <laughs> now, I knew about this church because my best friend lived two doors down. His dad was like a deacon over there and which I didn't know that at the time. Just, he just was heavily involved. Mm-hmm. And we'd always like get the keys and like run through the church and, you know, have fun. Yeah. Kind of doing stuff that, you know, first graders shouldn't do. And so I, I saw my dad do that, but he never talked to us about God or church. And we were just, you know, so I had that in in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I'm ten years old and we start going to a Mormon church for like six months. Yeah. And I had no clue why. We never really talked about it as a family. Um, and so I grew up with a really weird view of church. I knew my mom was Catholic and she didn't like the Catholic church, didn't know why. And so, um, that kind of painted a picture in my head. Um, and so the point is everyone comes into this idea of Christianity with a completely mm-hmm. you know, different view. I came uh, in with a, I would say a country music Christianity. That's the way mm, I describe it. Explain. Well, you know, you've, You've heard the typical country music song, you know, you party on Saturdays, you know, with your friends and out on the lake or whatever. And then Sunday morning, you put 20 bucks in the plate or, and you're good with God. We believe in God, but we don't really follow any of the scriptures. What's <laughs> that, that country song that's out right now? It's like, I only talk to God when I need oh, help yeah. or jelly, I need an answer. Jelly roll or whatever. Yeah. Which is, that's a good representation of a lot of people's faith, right? I only talk to God when I need a favor. When I need a favor, yeah. Yeah. And now I need a favor. Right. And it's that kind of idea of like, he's there when I need him, but I live my life on my own unless I need him. Um, 
And that's just cultural stuff. That's not even counting different denominations or maybe different false teachings. The point is, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people that would claim to be a Christian, but Christian doesn't always mean the same thing that the Bible says. Well, and that's really the question. So, in general, what kind of we just the the picture we just painted is that there's different flavors of Christianity. Does the Bible teach that there are different flavors of Christianity, or is there some essential elements that must unite us all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if there are, what are those essential elements that we all must believe and do? Yeah, well, let's just start with, in this podcast, the essential element of the gospel. Like, what is the gospel? Who is Christ? And then, what does that mean to follow Christ? And those are three basic categories. How about okay, that? so so say it again. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? What does it mean to... Um, to accept Christ or, or be saved. Right, to become a Christian, Christian. According to Scripture. Right. And then what does it look like to then follow Christ as a Christian? Right. Um, we won't get into all the doctrines of grace and all, th- all the primary doctrines in this episode, but we can just start with the entry-level point. you got to be a Christian. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Which Okay, here's the first question. Does anyone start out as a Christian if you grow up in a Christian home? like, And that's a, a great first step, right? The answer is no, right? The scriptures tell us, uh, there's many passages, but a couple just to look at. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it's one I go to a lot. There's a few others that I can, I'll quote in a minute, but just starting with this one, I'm in the LSB translation. Ooh says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler and the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, uh, all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, or the ESV would say, as uh, like the rest of mankind. Mm-hmm. So right there, there's a few things. We all, this is all, and that word is translated all, meaning everyone. Um, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Oh, does your version say all? Yes. Okay, mine just says, and you were dead, and that was going to be my question. Mm-hmm. Who is you? But he shows it at the end, the rest of mankind. He kind of brackets it with yeah. you, mankind. So a few other passages that would tell us this is... Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all have sinned. Sin means um, breaking of God's law or perfect standards. So anything that breaks God's perfect law that doesn't live up to the law is sin. So to make it easy, just think of the Ten Commandments, right? Have you ever broken any of those? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever um, coveted, you know, wanted somebody else's stuff or wished you had something else? Mm-hmm. We can just disobeyed God in any way, then you've sinned, Yeah. right? And everyone. And in Ephesians 2, we're all children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So that tells us the punishment of sin. Romans um, 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You mm. use it, that one a lot, right? Yep. So what does sin earn us? Death. And that death means separation from God forever, uh, spiritual death and physical death. 
physical death came into the world in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve first disobeyed God and they ate of the tree that God told them not to. Sin entered into the world, and because of that, sin entered into the rest of mankind forever. Yeah, at that point. which even that shows you the, the grace of God, the patience of God, mm-hmm. because he said that if they would eat and sin of the tree, they would die. Mm-hmm. But they didn't die for another 900 years. Yeah, his patience was shown in that. But death did come eventually. Um, physical death. When it and, entered into the whole human race, we were meant to be mm-hmm. immortal, right? eternal. And because of sin, now no one is yeah. in this life. You can become eternal mm-hmm. through salvation. but And Paul in Romans 3 also tells us there is no one who is righteous, meaning no one who meets God's perfect standard. It says, in, starting in verse 10, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together have become worthless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So he makes it very clear right there. There is none. All have sinned. No one seeks. And so everyone is born a sinner. Everyone is born in need of salvation. And so, and the wages of that sin is death. Like I said, that's a physical death. We all die. But without Christ, that's also a spiritual death that's eternally being separated from god in a place called hell mm-hmm. so that's the first part of the god you got to know the which the let problem. me look at that real quick before we move on at a look at it from a different perspective because i think someone would say well i mean we don't feel like we're dead in our trespasses we don't feel like we're being um, controlled by satan the prince of the power of the air mm-hmm. we don't feel like children of wrath you know yeah but another way to look at sin is to look at your purpose as a human being. Mm-hmm. Why did God create us? Well, he created us to bring him glory. In other words, to point at him, to bring attention to the creator, the yeah. God who's given you life. And when we sin, we can't do that. Yeah. And because, look, because, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just say because of sin, we don't do that. That's why we're children of wrath. That's right. Because we we do the opposite of glorify God. We actually tarnish His name mm-hmm. by our actions. Even if you don't look quote unquote that bad. Yeah. But who are you comparing it to? Well, you're comparing it just to the world. Well, and just the action of glorifying oneself is not glorifying God. Yeah. If you bring attention to yourself, that's that's the the root of sin in a way because mm-hmm. you're you can't possibly bring glory to two people at once. Right. right. So if you're bringing attention to you and saying, look at me, look at me, how can you bring attention to God? That's your whole purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I think that needs to be understood too. But, but would you say that this now is one of the essential elements of yeah. being a real deal Christian? Understanding yeah. your need yeah, it, it's for the, salvation. It's the doctrine of total depravity of sin, right? That, that we do not desire or seek to glorify God, and we do not obey God perfectly. Yeah. We, we break His law. Uh, one aspect of total depravity is it's not that man is as evil as he possibly could be. We're not all a bunch of Adolf Hitlers running around. Right. But we still fall short, and we still break God's perfect law. And God, since He is perfect and we're made in His image to glorify Him... Because of his justice, 
he has to punish sin. Therefore, mm-hmm. if now we're in this conundrum, either there's only two places that his wrath will be satisfied. Either we pay for it, mm-hmm. which is why the wages of sin is death, and in hell we'll pay for it for eternity. Because he has to, if he's just and fair, he has to punish right. somebody for it. If yeah. He can't just let you go. Right. Or he takes on the punishment himself through Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is the propitiation or the payment Big word. for our sin. The, the, he, the payment, the, the um, satisfaction. He yeah. satisfies God's wrath. Yeah, First Peter 3 uh, gives us this. He says in First Peter 3, 18, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous himself mm-hmm. for the unrighteous, so that he might bring you to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. He, he takes our place. And it's, the, it's this big word, imputation, meaning imputation just means credited. Mm-hmm. So he takes our sin, which is credited to him on the cross, he takes the full wrath of God, and he defeats sin and death through his resurrection. And his righteousness for those who put their faith in Christ is imputed or accredited to his children, the ones who he saves, the ones who put their faith in Christ. And so it's not that our sin goes unnoticed, but that the wrath of God, the punishment for sin, has been satisfied by Christ on the cross. Yeah. And so <clears throat> who are those that get that? accredited to them. Yeah, the benefit of what Jesus did. It's those who put their faith in Christ. Uh, Romans 3.23, we talked about earlier, for the ways of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the great exchange. Those who put their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior, they get eternal life with Christ uh, through Christ, uh, with God forever in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so Ephesians, going back to our uh, passage in Ephesians 4, then it talks about that. Well, I, actually, I was in Ephesians 2, wasn't I? Ephesians 2, the rest of that, which is why it's one of my favorite passages. He says, but God. And I love that, like right after verse 3, children of wrath like the rest of mankind but God. And that's the the big um, interjection of God. Mm-hmm. Because of God, we would all be on our way to hell had God not intervened in His grace. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him... And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There's a few points to bring out here that I think would clarify some of the thoughts in Christianity. First of all, the way to salvation is through faith alone, not by your works. Well, so, I would say, you know, not to correct you, but just this 
for a lot of people, this is un, unneeded to be said, but first of all, you need to realize your position. Oh, for sure. And I think yeah, people yeah. have no clue that it doesn't matter how good they are compared to the world. Yeah. You have to see, you said total depravity. Another way to say that is total moral inability. Mm-hmm. You know, if God is the ultimate lawgiver and judge of what is right and wrong, we have to realize first that we are unable to please him morally. We can't do enough good to make him happy. Yeah. We all fall short. And if you just and if you just fall short a little bit, if you're a great person, but you still fall short a little bit, that little bit still has to be punished. Yeah. And unless you're perfect and there was only one who was perfect, Christ himself, then you're you're in need of salvation through faith alone. So the real deal Christian is going to know that he needs God. In other words, if God asks you one day when you get to heaven, why should I let you into heaven? What's your answer? The only answer is because of the blood of Christ. Right. I have no other answer. Yeah. That's the only reason. You cannot point to yourself. You have to point right. to Christ at that point. And that helps clarify, too, some ideas of Christianity, right? That, that religion doesn't save you, although there are some religious acts for those who are faithful, right? But that is not bringing about salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, being a part of a church doesn't bring about salvation. Doing good works doesn't bring about salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, what you say you believe doesn't bring about salvation. I want to clarify that because you're like, well, you just said by faith. Faith is evidenced by your fruit or by your actions. Right. So I, I meet a lot of people, that's where I say that country music Christianity that say, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but they do not submit to him as Lord. Well, what Jesus would say to that is, Walk, get away from me, I never knew you. That's Matthew 7. I, yeah. I did all these mighty works in your name. I, you know, I did all this stuff in your name, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. But he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because right before that, he talks about how you judge a tree by its fruit. Right. So if you're in Christ, then your life reflects Christ. Yeah. The fruit of uh, the Spirit, uh, obeying Christ. Obedience is a part of um, being a Christian, but your obedience isn't what saves you. It's a fruit of being saved. Right. It's the outworking of of truly trusting Him as Lord and believing that He is who He says He is. Which that's really what we're getting down to. The real deal Christian has some fruit or some external changes in his life that points, it begins to point to God. Yeah. You now begin glorifying God not even so much out of your own effort, but because, as Ephesians 2 said, these good works that Christ Jesus created for you to walk in. You begin walking in those, which points to the inner reality that something has changed. Mm -hmm. If you're a real deal Christian, it starts with this recognition of your need of God. And secondly, something happens inside Mm -hmm. of you which is the salvation that we're talking about, this transformation mm-hmm. uh, that must happen at the point of your faith, yeah. right? Is, is that when it happens, when you have faith? Yeah, when, when God saves you. And it has to be God that does the saving. He has to give you a new heart. I think um, Paul really lays this out well in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Uh, I'll break down these two verses. I think we'll clarify what faith is. He says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, leading to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. There's there's a lot going on in these two verses. Number one, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I always, when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I stop and circle that word Lord. Because what does that mean to if someone is Lord over you? I'm asking. Oh, they um, <laughs> they rule you. Yeah. Um, you have to submit to them. Yeah. It's you know it's their way or the highway. That's it, so to speak. So a lot of times I'll give the analogy of a kingdom. If a if we lived in a kingdom where there was a king, whatever the king decrees, you do it or you die. Yeah, or you get out of that kingdom. <clears throat> There's yeah, you can't say that I pack your bags. You can't say that I I submit to the king, but I'm not going to do what he just said to do. That doesn't make any sense. Right. That's not actually submitting to him as Lord. Well, Jesus is king, king of the universe. He is the savior. He is God. So when you are first um, confessing Christ or, or saying you have faith in Christ or putting your faith in Christ, it begins with trusting him as Lord. He is who he says he is. He is God. His word is what rules my life from now on is what you're saying. Right. So if that's not what you mean when you say I'm a Christian, then you're probably not a Christian. Mm-hmm. That, that's just to get some clarity. Yeah, that's, that's a really good distinction. Yeah. That's an essential element of real deal Christians is that they see Christ and treat him as Lord. That's it. Because even the demons know that Christ is Lord. We see Jesus cast out demons right. and they obey him. Right. Well, they ain't getting saved when they obey him. No. So your obedience to Christ is as Lord. That's it. And then that next part of, of verse 9, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the clarifier. Jesus, We know Jesus is who he says he is because we trust and believe in the resurrection. Paul, I think it's in um, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 15, where he goes through that whole thing. If the resurrection is not true, then all this is false. Yeah, we're the most to be pitied. Yeah, because that's what... Um, Clarified that he was who he says he was. Yep. Because only God can defeat sin and death. Mm-hmm. And number two, if he doesn't, if he's not raised from the dead, then our sins are not forgiven. There's no payment for our sins. Yeah. He's still dead. Right. So it's essential that what you believe, and I want to clarify when I say faith, what I what I I give a quick working definition. I always say faith is knowledge with trust. Mm-hmm. That's faith. I give the analogy of skydiving. We talked about this, I think, yeah. a long time ago. You can go through the class. You can learn all about skydiving and the safety procedures and what's going to happen. And you can even get in the plane and get up there. But when does faith happen? When you jump. Yeah. If you just Do you trust a parachute or not? That's right. That's it. Yeah. And so you can say all day, I believe it'll save me and everything else. But if you just take a ride on the plane and ride it right back down, you never jumped out of the plane, then you didn't trust the parachute. Yeah. Faith, I've defined it recently as trusting your spiritual well-being to Christ. Yeah. So imagine that scenario that you mentioned earlier. You're Mm -hmm. before God the Father or before Christ. And they say, why should we let you into our heaven? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you going to point to yourself or are you going to point to Christ? Because the, the, the second you choose mm-hmm. the reason to give him, you're entrusting all of your eternal spiritual well-being to that thing. Yeah, That's why in Matthew 7, what do they point to? They say, Lord, didn't I? They pointed to themselves. Right. They pointed to their works. 
would you be willing to point to Christ? Yeah. Because if you have that faith that you can say, yeah, I'm going to just give it all. I'm going to put it, I'm going to pass the ball to Jesus yeah. and let him make the final shot. If you can do that, then you're saved. Yeah. Right? That's the idea. That's it. And then verse 10. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> A little too easy. Yeah. Verse 10, he says, for with the heart, and we just define the heart. The heart is the inner man. It's, it's your thoughts, your beliefs, your affections, your desires, your volition, which is your will, into your choices. Basically, everything about you other than your flesh and blood. Um, it, with the heart, a person believes. So you believe with everything that you have, leading to righteousness. So if in my heart, in my thoughts, my beliefs, my desires, my affections, with everything that I am, I believe Christ is Lord and I believe who He says He is, it leads to righteousness, fruits of righteousness. I'm going to do what he says at that yeah. point, right? And with the mouth, he, he confesses, leading to salvation. If that's true, then with your mouth, you confess that Christ is your Lord, and that's what saves you. Yeah. Faith in Christ alone. Now, jump over then to Ephesians chapter 4, which we can kind of talk through this. Starting in verse 17... We just talked about what does it mean to be a Christian, so then now we're shifting to, so how do we walk this idea out? Right. What does this look like then in practicality? Right, because you started out by saying, what is the gospel, which mm -hmm. we just explained it. It's recognizing your need. It's seeing what Christ has done on the cross and the resurrection. That was his work on this earth, which is he, subs he was our substitute for sin. Mm -hmm. So now... Through faith in Him, we can have our sins forgiven, yeah. which is how we can gain entrance into the kingdom and treat Him as Lord. So now the third question, okay, so that's what it means to be a Christian. The second question, and then the third question, what do we do, that's basically? Right. And the, thankfully, we don't do this on our own. Uh, Ephesians 1 reminds us that at that point of salvation, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, meaning we have God living inside of us to help us obey His Word. Right, which but, the Holy Spirit wants to bring glory to Christ. We talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. Bringing glory, bringing attention to the name of Christ. So now if you have the Holy Spirit through this transformation that happened, that mm -hmm. your faith, well then you have someone inside of you that wants to bring glory to Christ. That's right. So your life should start reflecting this. Yeah, really what the Holy Spirit does in practicality is he he gets he tries to help your heart or your your heart agree with the word of God. Mm -hmm. That's what conviction is. When there's something that you believe or you want to do that that disobeys what Scripture says, you're convicted and then you repent, confess, and you change, and you do what God says instead of what you think. Okay, so help us see what that doing will look like. So in Ephesians 4, we have this principle of the put-off, put-on, or the principle of sanctification being made more into the image of Christ. So we put off the old man, uh, put off our own sin our old sinful thoughts and actions, and we begin to put on Christ and what he says. And so Paul lays out, in, in starting in verse 17, says, Therefore I say, <clears throat> and testify in the Lord, that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds. Now for anybody who's newer to Christianity, anytime you see that word Gentiles, that's just, a category, really, of anyone who does not believe They in weren't God. God's people. They weren't God's people, and they believed... The Jews were God's people, and the Gentiles were anyone who was outside of that 
covenant or right family. So people who do not believe in God is what we could just say. Right. Being darkened in their mind, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you heard him and were taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, to lay aside in reference to your former conduct the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new man, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So here's that sanctification process. You put off through conviction and repentance the old man, the former ways of life, the lusts of this world, the lusts of the flesh. You're renewed in the spirit of your mind, so through the reading of the word, meditating on God's word, knowing what God's word says, and you begin to walk in accordance with what God's word says. You begin to put on in action so what God says. Let me ask you a question. All right, so you got someone maybe hearing this, and they say, which I hear this a lot in campus ministry, I'm just not even ready for that. Yeah. You know, because they recognize rightly that there's a standard yeah. to be a Christian. They they at least see that. Mm-hmm. But they're like, I couldn't pull that off. And I would say you're right. Right. But so, God does not expect you to pull it off. Remember, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So as we have faith and as we submit ourselves to Christ, we have the helper, the Holy Spirit, John 14 that convicts us and helps us to repent, to agree with God about His Word, and we begin out of faith to put on, to begin to walk in what He does say. It takes faith, and it does take effort. But you'll only do that effort if you believe in who Christ is. Mm-hmm. If you're saying that because I don't want that, then what I would say is you, you really haven't gotten past step one, which is do you really believe in who Christ is, and do you want to... F- Trust Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's where you should sit. Now, if you do trust Christ as Lord and you believe He is who He says He is and you want to follow Him, then it's God Himself who gives you the help to obey Him. Right. It's just you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, as Ephesians 2 says, 2.12, for it's God who works in you to will and work for His good pleasure. Mm-hmm. So we put holy sweat in, holy effort, in into denying our flesh, into... Out of, out of faith, working hard to obey God, but it's God who is actually doing the, the work, the spiritual work. Yeah, I tell people heart. this a lot, like, you know, how do you make a decision? You know, what governs your decisions? And if you really think about it, you know, just think of the last decision you made, it comes down, you know, there's a lot of factors, but there's a, there's a large part of it that's your desire, mm-hmm. right? And there's not really anything below your desire, but God is. And God can change your desire. So he works underneath, that's what that Philippians 2 verse is saying, underneath your desires to change them. And so you think you're looking at, you know, this mountain Mm -hmm. that you got to climb, which is Christianity, which is maybe the wrong way to look at it because it's not a works-based religion. Um, And you say, that's daunting. I got to give up this sin. You know, I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Well, that's because you still desire that sin. But yeah. God changes your desires mm-hmm. over time. That's right. And in and in the Christian life, in the Christian walk, it's 
know, do, feel. Meaning, know what's right, know what God's Word says, put an effort to obey it, and God will, through that, change your desires to want what He wants, Mm -hmm. to abide in Christ. The world says, feel, do, think. Mm. And sometimes think doesn't ever happen. <laughs> what, what do I want? What do I feel like is right? I'm going to do that because it makes me feel good. And that's pretty much the end of any sort of thought. The thinking will come in if they need to justify it to anybody. Yeah. You know, that, to the level that they need to feel right before yeah. man, because they're not even considering what God thinks about it at this mm-hmm. point. They're just considering how am I viewed yeah. by people. Yeah, we teach in biblical counseling this uh, diagram. We call it the Y diagram. At the point of choice, there's two roads you can take. You can take the road of the flesh, which is easy at first. Easiest thing to do is to do what your flesh wants. Uh, I use an example of what's easier, to veg out on the couch and watch a movie or to go work out or, or read and study something. Right. I mean, it's easy for all of us just to sit there and be lazy. Oh, yeah. Is Especially it e- with the you know, amount of entertainment. We have yeah. The, the money that's poured into entertainment. Right. <laughs> or eating healthy. Is it easier to choose a grilled chicken salad or a burger from your favorite burger joint? It's easier to choose the burger. Well, but even the world has discovered that in order to gain leverage over those lazy desires, mm-hmm. you just have... You have to find a bigger why, you know, for the person that's trying to lose weight, you know, they'll teach, well, you got to fall in love with your image (laughs) bet more than you, than you love the image you are now, the shape of your body, for example. So they even know how to manipulate desires. But even that still is on that trajectory. What's easier, what's easier to want to glorify God or want to glorify yourself? Oh yeah. It's easier. Well, they're not asking that question. I know. Then I'm I'm going down that path of the flesh. Uh, it's easier to choose the flesh, but as you go down that timeline, it gets harder and harder to stop choosing your flesh, and it leads to death. Yeah, and death happens in many ways: losses of relationships, uh, consequences of sin, physical death, and eternity in hell. Or the other side, choosing the godly way or choosing Christ is always hard at first because mm-hmm. it means self-denial yeah but Some big changes happen in that first that's right you know first few months of following christ that's right and the motivation has to be i believe christ is lord so i, I need to obey him yeah like that has to be the motivation renewing your mind the spirit of your minds however as you go down that timeline it gets easier over time and it leads to life, mm-hmm. right? The more you choose Christ, the more you walk in His ways, the easier it gets to do that. You begin to desire Christ. You begin to enjoy walking in the light, and it leads to life. And so you have to exercise self-denial. It's the put-off principle, right? And I'll give you a few examples from Paul. Uh, first is putting away falsehood or lying. He says, verse 25, after after verse 24, putting on the righteousness and holiness and truth, the first thing he says, therefore, laying aside falsehood. Stop sp- lying. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So here's one example of what does it look like to live as a Christian. Well, number one, you don't lie. Um, 
and line can mean many things. It's not just the the black and white uh, line. It's also exaggerations. It's also half truths. It's also um, not saying what is true when asked. Like just being silent doesn't mean that you're being honest. We put that off. Instead, we're called to speak the truth with our neighbor. Now, what is is Paul just? Is he laying out a priority of things we need to work on, or is this just an example he, that he, he's giving to these people? Through the through the rest of four and all the way through five, there's a ton of examples. Okay, uh, so he's just kind of helping us like, hey, for example, if you guys, which he says in verse 21, mm-hmm. assuming you've heard about Jesus and you yeah. were taught about Jesus because the truth is in Jesus, yeah. do these things. Now, I think the truth is a big priority, though. Um We'll look through some of the rest of them. It, it gets a little muddled. I, I don't. I think you you had to put all these as top priority. You can't just you can't say I, I'll do this one because it's most important. And I won't do the others. But the truth is always top priority because the truth is in Christ. And so walking in the light means walking in the truth. Even in Ephesians six, when you're putting on the full armor of God, the first thing you put on is the belt of truth. That's where it all starts. Mm. So I think there is some somewhat of a priority here, but. This is also speaking about the idea of loving someone else. What's truly loving is saying what's true, which means you also have to know what's true in, in order to say what's true. Mm-hmm. And so to sum up this one, if you're just saying like, okay, what does it look like to be a Christian? It means I need to speak the truth in all circumstances and situations. Yeah. Well, and even going back to what we said earlier about some of the essential elements of the gospel message you know, I think most people would say they care about what's true. Yeah. But did Christ raise from the grave? You know, that's you know one example you yeah, could yeah. think about. Is that true or not? You have to say yes or no to that. You yeah. can't be undecided. To be undecided is just to say no. Right. And so that is a a reality that you need to decide on. And if it is true, what does that mean? What are the implications of that's right. of that truth? That's right. 20, verse 26, be angry, and yet do not sin. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, be angry, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but don't sin. Oh. Do not let the Yikes. sun go down on your anger. So there, this gives us, there's some clarity here that, that anger, the emotion of anger, isn't always sinful. There is a such thing as righteous anger. When you see an injustice happening, it's not a wrong response to feel some anger over it. Um, however, it doesn't... Christ does not give us the excuse to respond in sin because of our anger. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't give us an excuse to treat someone poorly. Doesn't give us he doesn't give us an excuse to seek our own vengeance. Mm-hmm. And Romans twelve reminds us that vengeance is the Lord's, not ours. Um, it doesn't give us an excuse to lash out in anger. We cannot sin in our anger, and instead it tells us to deal swiftly with it. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. So it means kind of tying to the first one. If there's something that happened with someone that you love that was sinful and wrong and it caused you to to feel that feeling of anger, you got to go in love and deal with that truthfully with that person. Yeah, which I mean, what an incredible way um, to live differently than the rest of the world. Absolutely. Talking about real deal Christians. You have this feeling that comes up inside of you 
that's anger mm-hmm. that tells you to lash out, to be passive aggressive, to be manipulative, to to yell, to scream, to hit, whatever. And you resist that and think. Right. You know, you talk about do do think. No, no do feel. Right, but the world feel feel do, do think. don't don't think really. Well, this is like okay, it starts <laughs> with a feeling. Yeah. But now you think, and then you do. Right. Right. And so it's like how different are you going to be right? right you're still feeling the anger at the injustice or the sin or whatever it is you're experiencing mm-hmm. but now you're you're thinking and you're letting the word of god yeah. come in how do to I help with, you process that how do i deal with this anger in a way that glorifies god and is loving to the other person right and is the message i'm getting from the anger true mm-hmm. right if you care about truth is is what I'm feeling truly injustice? Or am I just being selfish? Yeah, that's, right? a, that's a great question. Yeah, was it actually sin? What, did I just not like it because it didn't serve me? There's a lot of questions that go into that. Yeah. The thing that I'll say to add to this, to live different as a Christian means that you have to think. Yeah. You have to really think through everything that you're thinking and feeling in light of what Scripture says. You can't just do whatever you think. <laughs> James 1, it says, to be quick to hear, and in the context, it's referring to the Word of God, mm-hmm. quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to act. Yeah. You're, you're, do, you're, you're doing those things slowly because you're letting you know, those things marinate, right? Yeah. You're meditating on the truths that you've learned. Maybe in that time of being quick to hear, you're going to the Word. Before you act or do anything, mm-hmm. you're going to look at God's word and, and what it says yeah. to, to influence your that, actions. That creates true humility because why are you slow in all those things? Because I want to make sure that I'm honoring God. And I think that's maybe the essential, you know, we're talking about some of these particulars of what's a real deal Christian, but deep down in regards to your behavior and what you do after this salvation that you've inherited, mm-hmm. it's, are you thinking about how to bring glory to Christ. Yeah. Right? Through your life. Yeah. Because that's what people see is your life. Yeah. How else could you bring glory if not through something you're doing or saying or, Mm -hmm. you know, a way you're behaving? Yeah. You're realizing you're not God. God is God, and therefore I need to obey Him. I need to honor Him. Yeah, and you see there's nothing worth glorifying in yourself. Yeah. Right? Because you've seen your wicked ways or your sinful ways. That's right. And then he even says in verse 27, that's connected to this idea of anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Satan will use our sinful emotions to um, get a foothold and cause destruction in your life and in others' lives. Yeah. Another one, verse 28, the put off is to not steal. He who steals must no longer steal. But rather, here's the put on, he must labor. Performing his own hand, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. So here we're putting off selfishness and stealing to survive or to serve yourself. Instead, do honest work. Work hard with your hands. Um, steward what God gives you, and have the heart to want to share with others who do have need. Mm-hmm. Um, to not be selfish. Verse 29, this is one that gets a lot of people. The put off, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Whoa. But only such a word as it is good for building up what is needed so that it gives grace to those who hear. So there's the put on. 
Let the words that come out of your mouth give grace to those who hear. And so when we're talking about no unwholesome word, you know, no crude speaking, no crude joking, no sarcasm that tears other people down, but instead you want to say things that are true and that are building up and that are helpful and that give grace to those who hear. Yeah, I feel like this is just a pride crusher right here because you're not coming into the kingdom of God able to control your whole tongue. Yeah. James says again in chapter one, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Yeah. And so you want to talk about being a real deal Christian and being different in the world? Let let your words reflect that. Yeah. Which the best way to practice that is being quick to hear and slow to speak. Yeah. Be one who is always gracious with their speech, wise. And you're wise and you're speaking when you're thinking about what God's word says and you're saying true things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much in this little passage here. Yeah. Uh, I'll go on, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So there's that truth of you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Sin. Sin, anything. <laughs> yeah. Anything doesn't bring Christ's glory because Holy Spirit wants to bring Christ's glory. Right. So that, that's a good parameter on your actions right there. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is this fire inside of you, and grieving it is anything that pours water on that flame. Yeah, And he, and he says that right after the unwholesome, corrupting talk. So we, everything that we've talked about in this list all grieve the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then verse 31 and 32, I think, is a real good uh, summation of how to be different. Is that like a summary? Yeah. Mm, Cool. (laughs) Dr. Words. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving each other just as God in Christ also graciously has forgiven you. Mm. How, how are we supposed to live as those have, who have been forgiven, which means you're humble. Mm-hmm. And so put away bitterness and slander and gossip you could add in that list or just crude talking or, or tearing someone else down. And instead, be kind, be tenderhearted, have compassion because mm-hmm. you, you needed compassion. Which I think everybody would agree. Like you really... If you can look at someone, let's say you're angry at them, mm-hmm. you could see the good in them. Yeah. But it's hard. Yeah. It's a lot easier to see the ways they're inconveniencing your life at that moment. That's right. And But what God's calling us to here is to think. Think about what, what you were mm-hmm. before Christ entered into your life. Yeah. And to be kind and, and forgive. And it, it makes me think of a passage in 2 Corinthians where it says, the love of Christ compels us. And I love how Paul here ends this thought with just how God in Christ forgave you. And so when you find yourself having you know, a difficult time with these things, it's realizing the love of Christ that was given to you at the cross that gives you the reason to do these things and the power. It's, it compels us, right? It's like, a, it's like a teapot that's venting steam. It can't hold it in. Mm-hmm. And so... When you meditate and dwell and just think about what it is that Christ actually did for you on the cross, 
that should compel you to live in, in these ways. It yeah. should change your desires. That's right. And so I love to give in counseling or in discipleship homework. Oh. Ooh. So if you want to continue studying through this idea of what Christian living looks like, the put-off, put-ons, I would give you the rest of Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. to look at. I would also go to Galatians 5, mm-hmm. verses 16 through 24, as just some good study um, places of what does it look like to put off the flesh? What does it look like to put on uh, the Spirit, to put on walking in Christ as Lord? Yeah. And I, I like uh, Matthew 5. Matthew 5? The Beatitudes. I mean, all the Beatitudes. I Which, mean, there's, there's a ton of places to go look, but... I just like the fives, you know? Yeah. Any other fives you can think of. <laughs> um, if you go back, one of the last um, series we did on this podcast was working through the Beatitudes, the yeah. first eight uh, verses in the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus, mm-hmm. poor, in heart, or poor in spirit, uh, the mournful the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, uh, the peacemaker, those who are the merciful and those who are persecuted. Mm -hmm. And we covered all those and showed that they are the DNA of a Christian. So if you're a Christian, these are some internal things that will be true of you. And then Galatians 5, these are some external things that will be true of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. And one last thing I'll say, going back to the the original question, right? Like, what does it mean to be different or genuine, real deal Christian? Yeah. If you live as Christ as Lord and seek to glorify God, you don't have to try to be different. You have to be different. Yeah. You will be different. You're absolutely a different thing. <laughs> yeah. You've been transformed. Don't worry about trying to behavior modify. Obey Christ as Lord in your heart from your beliefs out into your actions and do what his word says and you will be different. Yeah. There's no way not to be. Yeah. You Jesus says we judge uh, I could judge a tree by its fruit. Like true believers will show the fruit through their actions because their heart desires to obey God. Yeah. He said if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. That's it. So, okay, well, that was awesome, man. Hopefully that was helpful for you guys out there. We went about twice as long as we thought, but hey, that's what it required. That's what we did. And we're here to do what is required. <laughs> so We're back, baby. All right. Well, um, check us out next time, whenever that is. <laughs> Probably about once a month, twice a month, once a week. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Later. Well, thanks for listening to the Change Up Podcast brought to you by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. Service times and all other information can be found at thefieldnola.com.